You're listening to WMNF Tampa, music and news. This is Walter Elspeth II, the host of the Sunday Forum, each and every Sunday from 8 to 10 a.m. The Fourth Estate and I do research and have intelligent conversation with each and every one of you. And we love it. We love bringing you the best in radio programming here on WMNF 88.5 Tampa, Sarasota, St. Pete.
You are tuned to the Sunday Forum here on WMNF Tampa. My name is Patro Mabili sitting in for Walter L. Smith and joined in the studio with Yumiko. Hello, everybody. Good morning. And Walter could not be in today because today is his son's 18th birthday. So yeah, yeah. happy <laughs> birthday to Walter L. Smith III. Yes. Enjoy being 18. Have fun. Be, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> enjoy these moments while you can. That's right. They will go by quickly. Yeah. You remember 18. <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I miss being 18. Uh, so do I. Yeah, I, I. I was young, vibrant, you know, just enjoying life. And uh, yeah, then the real world. So. <laughs> real world. Yeah, so, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, happy birthday. And uh, I hope you hope you have a good, good birthday celebration. Yeah. Well, hopefully at some point, Walter L. Smith III will be the host of this show. <laughs> yes. That would be wonderful. At some point. Yes. Well, thank you for joining us today. And, um, of course, this is the Sunday Forum, and we're going to be taking your telephone calls and your emails. Today on the Sunday Forum, we will talk a lot about Russia, including Russian black history. Superpower politics is in full swing since Vladimir Putin came to power in Russia over two decades ago, and he has been the partner to regimes beating back pro-democracy protests. He invaded Ukraine when they overthrew their president, who was a stooge of Putin in 2014. Russia took Crimea from Ukraine that year and has since launched a full invasion of Ukraine. Russia has been isolated financially for that, but so far has been able to beat back the sanctions by demanding that all gas and oil be, Russian gas, be purchased in rubles. And so, so far has been able to beat back the total effects of the sanctions, but it has suffered. And um, a lot of people who are rich in Russia have had been have been sanctioned themselves. So we're going to keep an eye on what's been happening on the world stage and talk about Russia today. We know that also Russia has been accused of meddling around the world. It's in we know that in Syria, when there was a pro-democracy movement, Russia had provided its military to fly sorties against the people, shooting them down in the streets of Syria. And we have seen that he has meddled in elections here, helping mm-hmm. 45 yeah. become president he through certainly a, did. a wide, vast conspiracy, right-wing conspiracy. And uh, we see that there's been some local investigations about Russian meddling locally in local elections. And if that's happening, then that's really a dangerous precedent yeah. to be setting. So, you know, Forbes, Yumiko, had a few years for the last decade or so did a list called the world's most powerful people. Mm-hmm. And usually the same five people was will end up at the top, yeah. which would, you know, be a sort of a treatise on global power in first place is usually Vladimir Putin mm-hmm. or the US president and during Barack Obama's presidency Barack Obama was number one for a few years and then Vladimir Putin was number one for a couple of years so it kept going back and forth and even when uh, 45 became president he was number one and two with Vladimir Putin so 
But yeah. I don't think Vladimir is going to be on the list this year after yeah. what he did to the Ukraine. Yeah. So, I so, mean, that would be really... Uh, does he still have influence? You know, that would be strange on Forbes' part to put a man on there like that when, I mean, thousands of people got killed, including children. That's right. In the Ukraine, so no. But apparently the list is, is not a popularity contest, but rather who has control over the vaster number of people mm-hmm. in the world. Okay. And Russian state is a vast country. And then with its takeover of Ukraine, mm-hmm. in at least the eastern Ukraine, we're going to see just how much more influence he had. That's their stock and trade is propaganda and influence. <laughs> and we've seen it. Play out on the number of in a number of ways in elections around the world and countries around the world and of course this war in Ukraine. So, yeah, I do have a comment to make. Somebody left us a, um, <laughs> a comment. They said, oh. uh, "Please don't say everything you want to twice." Thanks, Doug in Clearwater. So, okay. Doug, I mean, if you don't <laughs> want us to say everything twice, you don't have to listen to the show. I mean. Uh, well, I appreciate the comment. Yes, we appreciate the comment, but but you know, this is sometimes how gonna- maybe somebody missed it the first time. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> right. Unlike commercial radio, we hear the same commercials over and over again, and the same songs over and over again. <laughs> but getting back to Russia, yeah, one of the historical figures I wanted to introduce you to, if you hadn't heard of him, is. A.P. Gannibal. I haven't heard of him. Abram Petrovich Gannibal was a slave who became a legend in Russian history. He uh, was enslaved by the... He was captured by the Turks Mm -hmm. back in... During the uh, uh, slavery era. This had to be when he was eight years old. So I think it was the early 1700s. And um, A.P. Gannibal... Uh, was born in Cameroon. And apparently, there was some belief that he had been actually born in uh, in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. And that makes a difference because in, in the Russian mindset today, a lot of people felt that uh, it was better to be born in Ethiopia than Cameroon because Ethiopia was considered the Abrahamic... Uh, Christian society. Mm-hmm. And so Russians wanted, because of the Christian Orthodox Church, wanted to uh, have a descendant, be descended from someone born in Ethiopia. But lo and behold, A.P. Gannibal was born in Cameroon uh, and Peter the Great became his benefactor, bought him. He was trafficked to Russia. And at the time, uh, Peter the Great was the Russian czar. We got to take a listen to a little bit of a clip called On the Shoulders of Giants. Okay. Talking about Abram Gannibal just to get things started here on the Sunday Forum. Keep it tuned. Abram Petrovich Gannibal. Abram Petrovich Gannibal was born between 1667 and 1669 in the city of Logon near the Marev River. It is said that the city of Logon was located in Eritrea. Information also exists that suggests Logon was located in Cameroon. 
Hannibal is said to have been the son of a prince before he was kidnapped by enemies of a rival culture and taken to Turkey at the age of eight. He was kidnapped again and taken to Moscow, Russia, where he would leave his mark on history. Hannibal was sold to the Russian Tsar Peter the Great. He was so well liked by the Tsar that he was allowed to shadow him during his daily governmental affairs. Gannibal developed a love for math and engineering during his early years of school. His knowledge and gifts were used to construct the fortress town of Kronstadt, which was also used as a naval war. Gannibal studied engineering in Paris, France at the request of Peter the Great. He would live in France for six years as he joined the French army. He became the commander and engineer lieutenant in the French army during the Spanish War of the Tsar's Guard. In 1725, Peter the Great died, and the royal advisor, Prince Menshikov, immediately banished Gannibal into exile in Siberia. While in exile, he would build the fortress of Selenchens. Before he escaped from exile, he was captured shortly after and returned to exile. In 1741, Peter the Great's daughter, Empress Catherine, would restore Gannibal to his positions of prominence within the Russian army and society. He would soon be named a general in the Russian army, and he was able to use his knowledge of engineering to help secure the boundary between Russia and Sweden. Gannibal was selected as the commandant of the city of Revolve. He was also promoted to be major in the Thomas Stronghold. Empress Catherine also awarded Gannibal with multiple engineering projects that would help further build the Russian Empire. Gannibal also received an estate near St. Petersburg, Russia, where he would live after he retired from service to Russia. Gannibal would meet and illegally marry Christina Regina von Schoberg. The couple would have 11 children, one who was Ivan Gannibal, the Russian naval hero. Gannibal is also the great-grandfather of the father of modern Russian literature, Alexander Pushkin. Little is known about the Gannibal family legacy, but what we do know is a man was kidnapped from his family at the age of eight, but was able to make a great impact on Russian life and culture for generations to come. Abram Gannibal was sold to Peter the Great as if he was a pet. They did not know Gannibal would be one of the reasons Russian life would improve. Abram Petrovich Gannibal, we proudly stand on your shoulders. For more information, That was uh, a little piece about Abram Gannibal. Yeah, that was a lot of information. It was very informative. Let's see if we can get a little bit more information. That was a little hard to hear. Okay. Kings and General Gannibal, African son, Peter the Great of Russia. Morning, and in the edge of northwestern Russia, a dim light shines from within Mikhailovsky House. In the candlelit study of this humble estate sits a swarthy, curly-haired man putting ink to paper. He is Alexander Pushkin, the greatest poet in the history of Russia. The novel he writes is full of intrigue and adventure. But there is a twist. His story, titled The Moor of Peter the Great, is based on his own family history. For Pushkin was in fact the great-grandson of an African slave. But who exactly was this mysterious dark-skinned ancestor of his? And why did the father of Russian literature take such pride in being descended from him? Thanks to Final Fantasy XV, A New Empire and MZ for sponsoring this video. Final Fantasy XV, A New Empire is free to play and... We are listening to a video <laughs> and uh, this is about Gannibal, the African son and uh, grandfather of Pushkin. So we got to take a little bit more a look at this, this, this uh 
This has a little bit of commercial in, but we're looking at, taking a look at African Russians, African history in Russia, Russian African history. And uh, a lot of people have never heard of A.P. Gannibal, who was uh, the benefactor of Peter the Great. So we're taking a listen to that. We do have a caller on the line. I don't know if you want to take it now. or Yeah, because this uh, is going a little further. Okay. You are tuned to the Sunday Forum here on WMNF, and hopefully we'll get we'll be joined by someone who has um, who has worked in international relations. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, caller. You're on the Sunday Forum. Hi, this is Betty from Sarasota. How are you? Oh, Hi, good. Betty. How are you? Not too bad. I, I'm dying to hear more about this. Um, I, there was so much background music, especially in the first part of it. It was so garbled, and it was. Uh, it kind of overshadowed the the whole thing. I, but I'm fascinated by it. Can you please just tell us a little bit more about it? Because I I really found it almost impossible to hear. Yes, we will. In yeah, fact, we'll I, probably I, replay that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the vid, the what you played, the audio was extremely um, hard to hear because there was so much music over it. That's all I'm saying. So Thank you. If you, if you, yeah, if you could just. Uh, discuss it more yourself that would be awesome thank you so much i love your show thank you and we will we will discuss all it. right thank okay. you Bye. thank you betty Bye. yeah so um i've been reading a lot about this uh this character and uh we want to know we want to talk more about him and uh there's been a lot written about what he did he became the engineer for the uh the 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 czar mm-hmm. Peter Great and uh, he was he was uh, resented by some of the other generals after Peter the Great's death and uh, so he was actually exiled to Siberia in, in prison but even while he was there because he was so intelligent from a child or a teenager on that he was a mathematician he was made a mathematician he was given a formal education by Peter the Great by sending him to Paris France to become an uh, engineer and he became the military's engineer and even while he was imprisoned in Siberia after Peter the Great's death he helped fortify the Great Wall against uh, chi- invasion from China so nice. back to more about Gannibal okay born in 1698 and known to us by the name of Abram. The location of his homeland is the subject of much scholarly debate. Having been abducted at only eight years old, Abram himself was able to provide only a few details about his origins during his lifetime. In a letter to Empress Catherine in 1742, he wrote the following. I am a native of Africa, of the high nobility there. I was born in the land ruled by my father in the city of Lagone. The exact location of Lagone remains uncertain. Pushkin asserted that his ancestor was an Abyssinian prince from Ethiopia, a romantic land with biblical ties. However, the modern-day fieldwork of one Hugh Barnes has linked Abram's cryptic Lagone to the city of Lagone Birni in modern-day Cameroon. If Abram's claim to nobility is true, then he was most likely one of the many sons of Prince Bruja, a Kotoko chieftain who founded the city of Logone in the year 1700. 
Bruja's domain lay on the doorstep of the Bornu Empire, an Islamic power whose wealth came largely from engaging in the lucrative slave trade with the Barbary pirate states of the north. African slaves were in high demand across the Islamic world, yet religious law forbade the indenturement of fellow Muslims. This made Logone, a pagan city ruled by a pagan chieftain, a target of war. In this geopolitical context, we can easily see how an eight-year-old boy, the son of an African prince, could be taken as a valuable captive amidst constant border warfare and shipped off to be a prized pet of a status-seeking ruler across the sea. Given his status as a chieftain's son, young Abram was considered valuable and eventually sold to the Ottoman Sultan in Constantinople. He arrived at the Sublime Port in the spring of 1703 and was quickly assigned to be a page to Prince Ahmed, the younger brother of Sultan Mustafa II. Here, the slave boy laboured within the gilded walls of the Topkapi Palace, fluffing cushions, sweeping carpets, serving his master and feeding his exotic pets. Ottoman politics was a perfidious affair, full of secrets and court intrigue. In 1703, Mustafa was deposed and Ahmed became the new Ottoman Sultan. As his personal page, Abram was now closer to the Sultan than most, and as a result, became a link in a chain of informants feeding secretive and sensitive information about the imperial monarch. On one end of this chain was the Sultan's treacherous Grand Vizier, on the other, Pyotr Tolstoy, an ambassador of the Empire of Russia and great-grandfather of the famed author Leo Tolstoy. Soon, the Grand Vizier was the victim of his own court intrigue and was murdered by agents of the Sultan. With his main connection to the Topkapi Palace severed, Tolstoy lamented his loss of contact with the clever Africans spying on his behalf. One story claims that when Tsar Peter the Great heard of this, he ordered that these Africans be smuggled out of Constantinople and brought to him. It was a fairly inconspicuous request. African slaves were in vogue at the time, an exotic status symbol that the monarchs of Europe kept in the palaces as a symbol of their wealth and influence. As such, Russian agents in Constantinople set to fulfilling the Tsar's will. How exactly young Abram was delivered from the Ottoman Sultan is unknown. Through purchase or illicit smuggling, he came into the hands of the Bosnian diplomat Sava Vladislavic Ragizinski, who spirited him out of the sublime port and on his way northward. When you're busy dealing with groceries... You are tuned to the Sunday Forum, listening to a little bit of Russian black history, talking about A.P. Gannibal, Abram Petrovich Gannibal. And uh, we're going to get right back to the story, but... In the meantime, we'd like to hear from you. 813-239-9663 is the number to call. ...arrived in Moscow in the heart of winter. Never before had the boy experienced the frigid weather of northern Europe, and the Russian snows chilled him to the bone. While he was ferried by sleigh through the frozen city, observing the imposing red walls of the Kremlin and iconically onion-domed cathedrals, he surely felt as if he had been transported into another world entirely. Abram first met his new master on Christmas Day of 1704, when he was presented to Peter, Tsar of Russia, amidst a sea of yuletide revelry. Abram caused quite a scene in the Kremlin. 
Most Russians had no knowledge of Africa, and to them, black-skinned men and women were a mysterious, potentially sinister other, depicted often as bogeymen and devils in their literature and plays. It was Abram's status as an outsider that landed him before the great Tsar. Peter was a modernizer, a ruler who wished to transform his country from what he saw as an isolated backwater into a European powerhouse. He was famous for inviting foreigners into the highest rungs of his social strata, allowing them to disseminate their ideas into Russian society. With his new African acquisition, he hoped to make a point to the traditionally xenophobic Russian nobility. Young Abram was of a race that many Europeans considered fit only for slavery. If even he could be transformed into a bright-minded asset to Russia, then there could be no argument that the future of the nation lay in openness and not isolation. Over the next few months, Tsar Peter kept Abram close to his side, delighting in the boy's natural cleverness and gift for languages. For in addition to Turkish, the African child had also picked up fluency in Russian fairly quickly. In 1705, Peter went back on the campaign trail and took Abram with him to the Baltics, where war was raging against the Swedes. The African boy was baptized in Vilnius in 1705, where he earned the nickname Petrovich, son of Peter. Indeed, spending these formative years amongst kings and generals made Abram a fierce admirer of science and military engineering, and the Tsar quickly began to see Abram as his own adopted son. The African's natural cleverness and passion for the battlefield made him preferable to his own biological child, the bookish Prince Alexei. For the next ten years, Abram stayed with his godfather on the campaign trail. He was a quick learner, and by his mid-teens had become adept in the art of war, developing a written code system to protect sensitive information, and becoming a trusted member of the Tsar's inner circle of advisors. Abram essentially grew up on the battlefield, and over a decade of impromptu field education had turned him into an exceedingly intelligent young man. In 1716, he accompanied Peter as he went on a grand tour of Western Europe in one of the Tsar's many efforts to connect Russia to the West. Naturally, one of these stops was Paris, and here Abram stayed behind at the behest of his godfather to continue his education in the heart of the European Enlightenment. The sheer novelty of a classically educated black man captured the imagination of the French people, and Abram became something of a minor celebrity in the city. He became friends with some big names, including the famous philosopher Voltaire, who called him the Dark Star of the Russian Enlightenment. On top of a traditional education in sciences and mathematics, Abram enrolled in a military engineering academy. The skills he acquired there were put to the test a year later, when the War of the Quadruple Alliance broke out and France declared war on Spain. Abram enrolled in the French army, was quickly promoted to lieutenant engineer, and was given a unit of artillery to command. Deployed to fight the Spaniards in the Pyrenees, he proved to be an exceedingly competent military strategist, helping to seize a number of Spanish-controlled towns in the Basque country. He played a key role in orchestrating the fall of the fortress San Sebastian, but there he also suffered a head injury from a faulty discharge of a buckshot cannon of his own making. Honorably discharged, 
Abram returned to Paris to a war hero's welcome, more famous and admired than he'd ever been by the French aristocracy. He had also acquired a new moniker, Hannibal. His comrades admired his military genius, and drew parallels between him and his fellow African, the Carthaginian general of old. The Russians would later adapt this title into their own language, and the name Ganibel was born. In 1723, Abram Petrovich Ganibel journeyed home to St. Petersburg, where his imperial godfather lavished him with honours and gifts. His thorough education was put to good use, and he spent the next few years serving his new nation in the way Tsar Peter had intended. He built the redoubtable fortress of Kronstadt on Kotlin Island, which guarded the northern pass to St. Petersburg. He oversaw the completion of a massive canal around Lake Ladoga, a perilous project that was considered impossible until his triumph. These projects and more had made Ganibel one of the premier authorities on civil and military engineering in the whole of Russia. Yet this dreamy life was not to last, for in 1725, Peter the Great passed away. Abram had already lost one father when he was abducted as a child, and now, once more, he was an orphan. To make matters worse, the African had also lost his most powerful benefactor. Abram's successes in court also made him the subject of dangerous envy from various powerful people, not least of whom was Alexander Menshikov, an influential statesman who saw Abram as a foreign interloper too close to the Tsar for comfort. I am Belgian. You are listening to Gannibal, African son of Peter the Great. You're going to keep it tuned, listen to a little bit more of this, and then we're going to take phone calls from you. The number to call is 813-239-9663 to join this conversation here on the Sunday Forum. So far, what do you think, Miko? Oh, yeah, it's very informative. Uh, we've gotten some emails where they, they're they enjoying uh, the program as well. Excellent. Let's get back to it. Okay. In the wake of Peter's death, Menshikov quickly took control of the nation as a military regent and in 1727 banished Abram to a remote posting in Siberia to toil out of sight and out of mind, perhaps hoping the bitter Siberian cold would kill the young African for him. Once more, Abram was forced to move a world away from the land he called his home. His new station was in Seliginsk, deep in the territory of the Mongolic Buryats, and a stone's throw away from Lake Baikal along the border with Qing China. Even in exile, Ganabal never gave up his enterprising spirit. Despite his dour pseudo-imprisonment, he continued to serve his nation in the hopes that one day he could return home. He directed the construction of a fortress designed to fend off any invasions levied by the Chinese Emperor. Lost on him, perhaps, but not on us, was the novelty of an ethnic African deep in the heart of Mongolic territory, fortifying the borders of the Russian Empire on the edge of the known world. In an event of poetic justice, Menshikov was overthrown two years into his reign and himself exiled to Siberia. While Ganibel, one of the nation's foremost practical geniuses, was soon recalled back to the heart of the nation. In 1741, Elizabeth, daughter of Peter the Great, ascended to the throne. 
The new empress was keen to bestow upon Abram the same favour that her father had, and appointed him the commander of the Russian army garrison in Revel, now Tallinn, Estonia. The predominantly German aristocracy of Revel were ultra-conservative, and treated the black foreigner with cold-shouldered suspicion. Nevertheless, Abram endeared himself to the locals using his engineering genius to fashion a spectacular fireworks performance that even the most snobbish of connoisseurs declared was equal to the pageantries of Moscow or St. Petersburg. Meanwhile, he improved the city's coastal fortifications and quickly became one of the most politically influential people in the Baltics. In 1742, Empress Elizabeth awarded Abram with the Mikhailovsky estate, with 100 serfs upon it to command. Serfdom was an institution that bound Russian peasants to the land of their master. Thus, in an ironic twist, the man who was enslaved as a boy was now himself something of a slave owner. The twilight of Empress Elizabeth's reign saw Russia plunged into the seminal Seven Years' War against Frederick the Great's Prussia. As one of the empire's foremost military minds, Ganibal was naturally placed in a position of high command. He did not favour the war, but nonetheless helped to rapidly transform the Russian military from a motley militia into a professional army. Foremost among his martial projects were his beloved fireworks. Far from being a frivolous hobby, they were in fact part of the master engineer's scheme to develop weaponized rockets for the war effort. Nevertheless, bureaucracy would once more drag Abram down, as just like clockwork, more and more of Russia's top brass showed their resentment towards him, a man they still considered to be an outsider of lesser stock. A smear campaign against him saw him demoted from Russian military command, and he would spend the rest of the war building canals and fortifying coastal batteries. In 1762, Elizabeth died, and was succeeded by her nephew, Peter III, who famously pulled Russia out of the Seven Years' War out of admiration for his enemy, Frederick the Great. The young Tsar was soon ousted in a coup by his wife, Catherine the Great, the empress who would bookend the career of Russia's most prominent black man. On the 9th of June, 1762, the African performed his last duty for the Romanov rulers of Russia, organizing a magnificent fireworks display to cap off a lavish royal dinner outside the Winter Palace. By now, Abram was considered a relic to most, a holdover from an era of a long-dead Tsar. He was wise enough to realize his career had run its course. He retired to his estate in Mikhailovsky, where he lived in comfortable retirement for another 20 years, passing away in the year 1782 at the ripe old age of 82. Abram Petrovich Ganibal had several wives during his long life, and was succeeded by 11 children, most of whom went on to be members of the Russian nobility. The most prominent of these bloodlines would birth Alexander Pushkin. The famed father of modern Russian literature idolized his African great-grandfather and immortalized a grand, albeit fictionalized, story of his life. Nevertheless, Ganabel is more than a peculiar foreign link with a noble genealogy. His legacy is one of struggle and perseverance. His genius shook the foundations of anti-abolitionist rhetoric throughout Europe, for how could slave owners claim Africans were fit only for servitude 
while such a brilliant mind walked among their finest philosophers. From Spain to the border of Mongolia, Gannibal worked among colleagues who saw only the color of his skin. Yet he rose above them, and defied the odds to become one of the greatest military and civil engineers in Russian history, and cement himself as the first and most prominent black intellectual of Europe. We always have more stories to tell, so make sure you are subscribed to our channel and have- Excuse me, I need to check your ID. You have been listening to Gannibal, African son of Peter the Great, just as a little bit of a history backgrounder. And uh, as we talk about Russia and the sort of right-wing racism that still goes on, that goes on today, went on when those army generals had such envy for A.P. Gannibal. We want to take your telephone calls, 813-239-9663, to join a discussion on the Sunday Forum. We'll talk for a few minutes before we have to get out and make room for the uh, a news update from National Public Radio News and then we'll be back next hour to talk more bringing in uh, that information talking about Russia in modern times so looks like we have someone on the phone right now we'll see who that is and what they have to say go ahead caller you're on the sunny forum uh, how do I what the hell is this look Russia sucks. Um, they're beating the F. I'm going to be kind. They're beating the F out of Ukraine. And we as the, the top military <laughs> generation of the world um, cannot do anything about it. And one day we're going to stop sending military equipment to Ukraine. And Ukraine is going to become part of Russia. So I don't know what you're playing, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. You know, we're going to back out of Ukraine. Ukraine is going to become Russia. And... Um, I don't know how Russia's going to hold Ukraine. <laughs> Come on, dude. They, they, they already beat the hell out of them. You know, there's nothing left. That's them. not true. That's not true. The, the Ukrainians have held off the Russians better than you think. No, Russia's I supposed know. to be this big, I, huge I, superpower, I, and they've I, been held back. I am battling for Ukraine, but... You look at you look at what they've done to Ukraine, and Zelensky already said, "Get the f." I'm going to try to <laughs> out of that Donetsk region. That's because of what might get be coming. F, get the f out of Donetsk. Yeah, I think that's because of winter is coming. They don't have. He's trying to get it out in head ahead of winter. Get his people out of the way because Russia's <laughs> assault on. On uh, on Ukraine by not providing fuel, and so they're gonna they're gonna freeze to death this winter. I think that's a very practical thing to get out the way. But trust me, Russia has been held back. 
Russia has been held back better than you think. Oh. They have really fought and beat back that threat, okay. but it's not over. You're right. It's not over. We still going to see what happens. Okay. I, you know, I don't have any answers. Uh, all I have is questions. Mm-hmm. And my number one question is, why the hell did this ever happen in the first place? And second, look, you know, you want to play this game? Let's play this game. You know, I mean, you got a, you got a, you got forty million people in Ukraine that are hurting. Um, I don't know. That's all I got. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people hurting in Ukraine. Trust me, they're doing more than hurting. They're dying, but they're also yeah. holding back the siege. Right. They're holding back the big bad wolf, the big bad bear called Russia. So, yeah, it's doing it's doing some damage. But how are you going to hold it? This is a very determined people, you know. It's right in the center. It's right in the center of Europe. It's the difference. It's the buffer of Europe. So. My question is how the Russian is going to hold <laughs> what they do capture forever. I don't know. I mean, that basketball player, they're holding her. Rich is the next issue. You and, know, we uh, we have this. Yeah. And she, uh, they're finally get. well, they're trying to get her out. They took so long. I mean, I don't understand why they took so long. That's just what we saw. I mean, we don't know what negotiations have been going on yeah. behind the scenes because these are the type things you don't want out in public eye mm-hmm. until there is some idea what's about to happen. But, um, you know, there's a lot of questions. I'm sure Brittany Griner can't wait to get back to the United States and tell us what's really happened. Um, but clearly. I'm just glad that she, you know, made it out alive. You know, uh, she's not out yet. Oh yeah, not out yet. But so far, she's still alive. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's not within Putin's interest to see her dead, or you know, when you have other. There's another American being kept being held there as well. And they shouldn't have messed with her in the first place. Right. <laughs> you know, she didn't intend to break Russian law, but. Maybe she just, I think she was a victim of really bad timing Mm -hmm. and that she goes right when they needed, they needed a a hostage. They needed leverage. You're right. And Vladimir Putin, knowing his history, is not beyond using. But you know, after listening to this this video on, what what was his name? Gannibal. Yeah, after, it's it's amazing that a lot of the stuff that went on back then is still going on today. Mm-hmm. They do have racism against those that are dark, mm-hmm. and even back then, same thing. It's 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 really, it's actually quite scary that <laughs> even that nothing has changed right. from that time to now. Where As a matter of fact, things are getting. It seems like things are getting worse and going back to that time period now after everything that's been going on. So, yeah, and the, the bluster coming out of Russia mm-hmm. against Ukraine still continues. The U.S. ambassador to the United Nations says there should be no longer any doubt that Russia intends to dismantle Ukraine and dissolve it from the world map entirely. And uh, that's coming from a 
Linda Thomas Greenfield, who is our ambassador to the United Nations, she told mm-hmm. the UN Security Council that on Friday. And she said that the United States is seeing growing signs that Russia is laying the groundwork to attempt to annex all of the eastern Ukrainian regions of Donetsk and Luhansk and the southern Kurzon and other regions with the goal of holding sham referenda or decree to join Russia. She said Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, has even stated that this is Russia's war aim. And like I said weeks ago, they wanted the whole of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. They wanted all of Ukraine. But they're, they're now saying they want eastern Ukraine and they're going to hold it. And I don't know how, unless it's just going to be constant warfare back and forth. That's probably what it's going to be. So we're going to see how the world reacts. But what about Russia's meddling in the United States? What about Russia's meddling in elections, especially in local elections? We have uh, investigations that are going on now to determine just how deep that uh, meddling has been. We know that it, it, it was pivotal. Russia was pivotal in bringing 45 to power. Yes. And uh, how deep is that uh, meddling going on now? So we're going to be taking, listening very closely to the investigation, especially the investigation locally. The St. Petersburg police and the FBI have announced an investigation about local Russian meddling in this election, including financing local candidate, local candidates for office. So why is Russia interested in the first place? Because they don't want certain people in power. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they want Biden, influence, yeah. Yeah, Biden, they don't feel is... Um, I'm trying to think of the word. <laughs> they don't feel that Biden is... Good enough. And, uh, I mean, DeSantis is planning to run. I think he said he's planning to run for president. So, I mean, they're probably going to try to do everything they can to get him in. They want somebody who's going to be soft on Russia. And a Democrat's not likely to be soft on Russia. Mm-hmm. Used to be a time when the Republicans were, <laughs> especially during Soviet times, during the Cold War, the whole world was... Politics was organized about between what the United States would do based on what the Soviet Union will do. And since the Soviet Union broke up and Vladimir Putin came to power, this has been a far more uncertain place. And he has used poisoning. There's a book from the late Stone Age. It's called the Astashastra. And it talks about how you use espionage, spying and poisoning to vanquish your enemies. And it looks like Vladimir Putin has read that book. He has, uh, looks like, been carrying out this kind of policy since he's been in power. You know, immediately people who bring the truth. Uh, newspaper writers, journalists have been killed in their homes by agents of Putin, agents of the Russian state. And... Uh, the uh, pro-democracy movement, the leader of that movement, I think his last name is Navalny, he has been, there was an attempted poisoning on him last year. You know, he, and he's still, 
getting treatment for that attempted poisoning. It, it's just amazing how much Putin gets away with. And um, I think this is what Forrest was getting at when they were talking about the degree of his power, mm-hmm. the degree of his... He's one of the most powerful people because of what he's willing to do and where he's willing to go to do it. Yeah, I mean, what he did to... Um Ukraine is sickening too, the fact that he's gotten away with it just because of his power. Yeah. You know, this world is, uh, I don't even know what to say about it anymore. It's just turned into something I don't even recognize. We have leadership that is anarchic almost. So drones are being used, and um, hopefully that will help fight back. But officials say a drone-borne explosion device has detonated at the headquarters of Russia's Black Sea Fleet. So they're whittling away Mm -hmm. at Russia's ability to carry out its fight. Um, But we want to hear more from you. I was hoping to hear from someone who is engaged in international relations and and gives us, uh, does some training. Um, national security training. So I was hoping to hear from that person today. But if not, we'll continue to talk uh, about all that's happening in the world today. Uh, but we're going to, in a few more minutes, make room for National Public Radio. Okay. And um, get things jumping here. <laughs> I don't know what's happening to the music here, but uh, we gotta we gotta bring you some more sound and uh, more discussion here on the Sunday Forum. And uh, Walter is out. We gotta take more of your telephone calls eight one three two three nine nine six six three, and you can write us DJ at wmnf dot org. And we're gonna get some news update, and I'm pretty certain we're gonna hear about the latest events in Ukraine and the latest outrage (laughs) on part of Russia but we could talk about things that are going on closer to home as well so this is what this this is what the forum is for so that we can talk 813-239-9663 what do you see are the threats coming our way especially as it relates to Russia we do have a caller on the line. I don't... Oh, okay. Uh, caller, you are on the Sunday Forum. Hello? Yes. Yeah, I want to ask you a question. I know Walter was there. I've been trying to call in a couple of times, uh, but I guess y'all take a limited phone call. This is what I want to ask. A couple of weeks ago, y'all had a uh, 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 discussion about poverty, poverty in, in, in Tampa and the high cost of rent and the high, high cost of uh, gas and food in Tampa. Mm-hmm. And Walter made a statement, which is a true statement for most part, that West Tampa's being gentrification. East Tampa, I mean, not East Tampa, Evil West City is being gentrified, and uh, Tampa Heights is being the same. But he said something, and I live in this community. He said East Tampa was colonialized. And I, I live in East Tampa, and I, if y'all could explain that, if y'all know, if y'all can't, explain what he meant. That's what I want to understand. Thank you. Yeah. 
So we could have a discussion about that as well. There's a, a belief that inner cities are colonized by economic elites, you know, who does nothing for the people who live there during period of poverty and then come to develop the area and makes it out of reach for the people who've been living there in poverty. Yeah. And so usually if you're going to have colonization, it requires settlers. So these people settle into inner cities and redevelop it. And I think that's what is meant by a sort of urban colonization that takes place modern times. We got to keep it tuned, talk more. And I like to talk more about that. Local issues as well. 813-239-9663 will be the number to call. You can write us by writing DJ at WMNF.org. Keep it tuned. We're having a discussion. We started out talking about Russia's black history. And we can continue to talk about that in Russia's basically Russia's power and its influence on the globe. So keep it tuned to the Sunday Forum right here. My name is Patrick Mobili, joined in the studio by Yumiko. Hello. Taking your telephone calls. We want to hear from you. Call us. This is WMNF Tampa. After hours, and I'm gonna just ask you to listen to 88.5.